0: A lot can happen in three years, like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri Term Medical Plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget friendly coverage that lasts nearly three years in some states. Learn more at uh1.com.
1: The Squareball Podcast.
2: To buy The Squareball Magazine, get back issues
3: and podcasts, visit thesquareball.net. In this Squareball podcast, Leeds are the best team in Yorkshire. We have scientific proof. The Labour Party launched a takeover bit for Garforth and other internet rumours. And we love Lucas. You love Lucas. Everybody loves Lucas Radabell. Welcome to the Squareball podcast number 15. It's our fortnightly look at all things Leeds United. Uh, and as per usual, with me in the studio, Michael Normanson. Hello. Moscow White. Hello. There. And Oddie. Hello. Uh, don't forget to get in touch with us. We'd love to hear from you. Podcast at the square dot net is the email address. You can find us on Facebook and you can tweet us at the square ball. Um... On that note, straight over to the mailbag. We received some uh, correspondence from the colonies. Doug Gisby from LU Americas was uh, in touch, wasn't
1: he? He, Probably, this not being the 18th century, he might dispute whether he's (laughs) living in the colonies. But yes, he says, Doug Gisby says, um, Dear TSB, just listen to your latest awesome podcast. I love it, especially being in the Americas. It's a great way to stay in touch. Um, and Doug said he enjoyed contributing on the left-back discussion and um, particularly enjoys the comparison between old and new players. And um, they've just had ex-player Aidan Butterworth sign up as a member to their branches, he's now living in Toronto. And um, LU Americas is having a members' meet-up in Atlanta um, on October the 16th at the Smoggies game and hope that Albert Johansson's daughter will attend as she lives over there now. And um, their meet last year in New York... Um, They were able to present a cheque for um, $6,000, which is about £3,800, to the Yorkshire Remembrance Fund. And he's getting the square ball paper copy sent out to him by his nephew, um, which is uh, rather grand to think of them zipping around the world. So, um, yeah, hello to Doug. Thank you for the email. Hello to all our listeners in North America.
3: Yeah, nice to hear from a remote outpost of the world. Little little country over there, the US of O. Um, if you'd like to get in touch with us from your particular corner of the world, do email us, podcast at net, or you can get us on Facebook and Twitter. Let's turn our attention now then to white-watching the games that have happened in the last couple of weeks since we last spoke to you. Uh, two games to cover in this one. Uh, the Friday night game that was live on Sky, Doncaster 0 Leeds Leeds 0. Uh, and of course on Saturday, just gone, Leeds one Sheffield United 0. Um, so after the last time we spoke, much improved performance from that Barnsley match, obviously couldn't have got much worse. Um, the big thing, two clean sheets, is this the Alex Bruce factor? At the Doncaster match, because
4: it was more relief, really, was that one, because um, following so closely after Barnsley. Um, but, yeah, after, after the game, the talk was just, why has he not been playing up to this point? Because he did look quite steady. He was also using the ball a lot better, which um, Naylor and Collins between them, I think, have probably had about 5% of their passes actually go to someone.
1: <laughs> I think what stood out to me about Bruce against Doncaster was he he did about maybe just four or five little things quite competently that I just felt if Naylor had tried to do them in his current form he probably would have cocked them up and it was just that little difference of somebody not cocking up that was definitely a help We wondered didn't we last time
3: out whether um, Grayson it'd be a test of his mettle whether he would uh, leave out the the so-called undroppable ones in terms of Naylor and stuff, and he did it, he stood up to the test and he made substantial changes for that Doncaster game and the whole team responded I thought we played pretty well and Sommer was, uh, was looking good as well up front
4: even though we were up against the Arsenal of the North, or whatever, their knobhead chairman decided to <laughs> brand yeah,
3: them as the Arsenal of the Championship. Is this not the guy who's got a, an executive box at Man United as well? Yeah, and he, yeah, he had the temerity to sort of criticise Leeds fans from Doncaster for not being proper fans.
1: Yeah, and lives in Cheshire. Yeah, you can do what you want when you're a football chairman, really, can't you? <laughs> but it was a it was a good performance all round with a, a completely different. I think there was maybe maybe slightly more changes than we'd expected. I, I hadn't expected Becchio necessarily to be dropped, um, but he, he made that change as well, which I guess McCormack didn't exactly impress. He's not impressed the way that maybe Summer did um, so far, but overall, nil nil, better than 5-2. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> better than we expected.
3: Yeah, I I
5: thought
1: we acquitted ourselves
3: really well, considering we we feared a a pasting, didn't we, a little bit after that Mm -hmm. Barnsley game. Um, I thought we stood up to the challenge well. So, um, turning our attention to, well, I guess to both games, but more so to the Sheffield United game, the return of Robert Snodgrass um, and the quick departure of Robert Snodgrass as well. That was a bit silly, wasn't it? Not on his part, necessarily, but the referee referee. seemed very
4: petty. He was a terrible referee all round, really. The most confusing thing he did was in the first half, where he gave was a penalty for Bradley Johnson in it, only for his linesman to point out that he was wrong. Um, but, yeah, the whole game he was just making mistakes and trying to play advantage, and then not trying to play advantage when there was some. And Yeah, he was just
3: pathetic. The linesman was right in that decision. Oh, he was, was yeah. Yeah. Right, yeah. Yeah, the
1: linesman was it, right. It became the theme of the game. I started watching the referee in the second half, and he, he didn't seem able to make a decision without looking at one of his linesmen first to see what they thought. Um, and they're supposed to be there to help him, not ref the game for him hmm.
5: but he was closer to that incident
1: so didn't matter why was, he didn't see it it was even down to like which way a throwing would go he wouldn't whistle without just looking at the other side of the pitch to see what that guy the thought. linesman yeah. made
4: one really bad error as well and it was in our favour but um, I think it was McCartney was watching the ball out um, he was just trying to let it run out for a corner and he ended up just kicking it out because it wasn't going to run and he gave a goal kick and it was on the pitch by about a foot probably still when he touched it and the cop just had a deathly silence to it when you when you know you've got away with something.
3: <laughs> yeah, well, uh, Grayson said in the interviews afterwards, didn't he, that he thought the ref was poor for both sides. So, so can we have too many complaints? Yes, I, I it like was it. shit.
1: I <laughs> like, like a competent referee now and then, no matter no matter who he's given the fouls for or against. Um, I just like him to be to be doing them correctly. It's you know, I, I believe in fair play. The respect campaign has my full support And then twats like that turn up I mean even even the um, um, We haven't spoken about it yet About whether Because um, everyone I was with thought Neil Kilkenny had been sent off in that incident And was going absolutely nuts at the referee And it took a while to work out um, That it had actually gone in our favour Do you think that was a sending
4: off as well? He didn't really make contact did he but <clears throat>
5: It was the intent, I think. If
4: he, if he had have actually yeah. made contact, his ankle probably would have been in bits. So you can't really have too many complaints, considering Robert and Ogros got sent off for um, for not retreating within two seconds, and then I thought that uh, was ridiculous because every team stands a man on free kicks, don't they? It's, mm. it's, it's what you, it's what you're taught to do
3: right from Sunday League straight away. on the free
1: kick. he wasn't there for a long time either. He he was backing nah. away. The referees had move.
3: Yeah, I, I when I saw it on the telly though afterwards, I thought you can kind of understand it because he turned his back to it in a, in a deliberate attempt to block it, didn't he? So mm. I think it was a soft one, but you can understand it. But the second one was pathetic. You just, they just bounced off each other, didn't I they? I thought
1: the it second was just... one was more of
3: a booking than the first.
1: Did you? It was more of a booking than the first because it was not actual I foul. I think they ran
5: into it? each other. Yeah, I mean... <laughs> you give them <laughs> a free kick. It's all, all, it's all,
1: but... it's all
3: about opinions.
5: Yeah, but Even after the first one, um, for not retreating, within a few minutes of that, we've got a free kick and then one of their players kicks it away. So if you're going to be yeah. that petty that...
3: Somebody gets a booking for that. Do we demand consistency? We, do, yes. we demand consistent pettiness. <laughs> <laughs> I said this referee is the one he got uh, relegated from the uh, from the Premier League, didn't he? The, the Did week he? before, yeah. So yeah. he might find himself tumbling down the leagues. If, He'll end up reffing
1: Watford Blue Cross or well, somebody, won't yeah, he? Yeah,
3: Callum Davenport, that's where he is, isn't he? Yeah. Uh, so Bradley Johnson, we spoke last time about uh, Johnson being a little bit enigmatic. And you kind of sometimes don't know why he's there. And he did the same sort of thing on Saturday, just as you thought he was drifting out of the game and you think he's misplacing passes and making bad decisions. He pops up with the crucial goal and he's in the right place at the right time. So, fair he, play to him.
4: He's our only real box-to-box midfielder, so from that point of view, he does fulfil a role. But he's, um, yeah, his decision-making does frustrate you. But... In a game of very few chances, he had the the header which was tipped over the bar, and then he scored the goal. Which and I'm struggling to think of anything else we had really.
3: So, well, I, I liked your um, your quote on the forum. What was it you said about uh, Sheringham? And i was just comparison. saying
4: if, if Sheringham. Gains the first yard in his head, I think Johnson loses one because <laughs> of his uh, brainless charging about. But now he's he's doing all right for us, and I think he's you know still learning at this level. So hopefully
1: he can keep improving. His energy is useful, but I was probably I think the same that I thought um, he was playing poorly again on Saturday and was set for him to be dropped for the next game or get substituted or something. But. Gets the goal And I suppose he's earned the right To stay in the team Next week Or was, tomorrow even It wasn't a game for midfielders either Was no. it
4: Because it, it was a dreadful game All no, in all is. a crap atmosphere But it was just The ball was pretty much Just being hoofed Over the top of him Every well, single although it time was, so. um,
1: It was a midfielder Who, who made the goal with Snoddy's Twinkled toes It did all just come about Because there. Um, I don't know who it was Richard Naylor Appeared to have put on A Sheffield United <laughs> shirt <laughs> And dealt with them Tried to deal with It was a an air ball. shot It was a great air yeah. shot and Snodgrass did did really well He kind of had that um, What we'd been missing a bit for, I mean you wouldn't have expected Johnson to be able to do What Snodgrass did in that situation But then again, would Snodgrass have finished it The way Johnson did? Yeah, he probably it was would only, It was only a <laughs> tap <laughs>
3: Yeah,
1: yeah it, was, it was close range
3: wasn't it Yeah well, Snoddy's drive, you're right Snoddy's got that drive hasn't he And he'll get to the byline and pull it back And get defenders to commit themselves So it's nice to see him back I mean, at least he's suspended for the Preston game
1: Which yeah. theoretically... Is going to be—I don't, I don't want to use this phrase—but an easier game. I would have thought he'd be on the bench for that anyway. Still, still coming back, and it's not
3: like we've got a shortage of wingers either, is it? <laughs>
1: <laughs> That's for sure. Gradle was um, not up so much on Saturday either. Oh, well, we don't want to just slag off players, but it was um, for a couple of games against Doncaster as well. He was better in the second half, but wasn't really providing much in the way of like, actually creating chances. But then again, um, as we said, the Sheffield United game is perhaps a bad game to expect it.
3: Quick nod to Johnny House, and then he's he's sort of improved the last couple of games as well. We've seen more of the Johnny Howson that we uh, that we want to see.
4: He has, yeah. I thought it was the pick of the midfield on. Um on Saturday, he tried his best where he could to to get stuck in, and he, he did manage to you know make a pass connect now and then, which most of them seem to be struggling with. So, yeah, he's had, he's had much improved this season. I mean, we was criticised quite a lot on this podcast last year, and uh, no, he has he has steps
3: up this year. So fair play to him. And uh, speaking of inconsistent midfielders, uh, nice to link into the return of Gary Speed, uh, who came back. Housewives' favourite Gary Speed. Um, on the bench, obviously, managing Sheffield United now, um, not much of a reaction then against uh, Sheffield United. There was no massive applause and no uh, no booing or anything but uh different against Doncaster
4: yeah, against Doncaster who was in the executive boxes by the um, by the Leeds end he was getting a few songs and he was trying his best to ignore us at first, but he was uh, he eventually had to acknowledge it. Just one more positive, actually, from the Sheffield United game was the fullbacks. It was the first game this season where both of them have looked solid. And so. it's
1: strange that one of them isn't a
4: full-back. Yeah, although he, <laughs> he almost is now. And I think maybe, yeah. he did make me think, maybe he might having it, had a season there at left-back, it must seem now quite easy to him playing on, on his right side. So,
3: Well, openings in midfield are going to be limited for him, I think, so he might find himself defaulting to sort of full-back cover on either side Andy Hughes of course we're talking about
4: but yeah he certainly didn't do any worse than
1: anyone else has this season so. I think his right back's been alright really I mean Connolly hasn't done t- well I mean it's, if you talk about the two full-backs we've had Connolly has been fine the other one you can see there's a, there's a problem there and, well, well, um,
3: well, we'll come on to McCartney in just a minute or two but um, worth pointing out that after the uh, Sheffield United win we're, ne- we're now placed as Yorkshire's top team which although it is ultimately meaningless it's still an indication of the progress we've made uh, in recent years, um, and also we're only ten league places behind Liverpool, uh, which is nice. Shows we're on the right. We're in, we're in the right direction, and maybe they're not. But
1: and being Yorkshire's top team also illustrates the uh, amusing decline of Hull City. This is true. Yes.
3: Yeah. I just returning to the Doncaster game very briefly. I don't know if you saw. Uh, sorry, on Sky, there were. Trying to build it up to be well, almost like it was on Saturday, kind of a kg a tough affair when it wasn't really, was it? You know, the derby atmosphere and the, you've got to expect these things in derbies, and and it's it's very much a one-sided carnival thing, isn't it? I think the Doncaster game.
4: Well, their fans didn't seem even bothered about it. You know, it was it was very much just a silent stadium, and it's a horrible little pokey. Generic B and Q type thing. It looks like some. I said at the time, it looks like St Mary's with the top tier taken off. So it just is small time crap little ground in the middle of nowhere
3: I would certainly be interested in hearing from uh, any Doncaster whites that might be listening just to, to find out what it's like to live in Doncaster
1: well, I f- About are you thinking of moving? no no
3: just uh, <laughs> I didn't mean generally I meant went surrounded by the, the jester hatted ones when they uh, turn out in the fancy hoop shirts and, and just find out what sort of fans they are because they all seem they seem very sort of new breed football fans the Sky Generation, we might say.
4: Well, I went, I went out in Doncaster that night because a few of my friends went to the game with her from Doncaster and they were just really relieved to be able to hold their heads up <laughs> and without having people singing Rovers Till I Die and their <laughs> other crap songs. They also sing Zigga Zaga Zigga Zaga Doncaster, which is probably the worst song I've ever
5: heard. <laughs> it's like something an eight-year-old would come up with. And the Sheffield United fans on Saturday, every single song they had... I couldn't distinguish a single word other than they try to cram Sheffield into every single one of them which is <laughs> annoying and just We were our fans were poor on Saturday I thought, though. <coughs> It was, it was,
3: just it was, it was, it was a really it. turgid game again wasn't it just yeah. scrappy just cancelling each other out It's too. a good
1: job we won already would have been really a crap after <laughs> The last ten minutes were Absolutely fine, perfectly enjoyable, and um, you know chances either end. Couple of sendings off, goal for Leeds. Bit of a sing song,
3: and finally we've banished the uh, the Yorkshire Derby hoodoo, which was a, a you know long overdue.
1: We've become used to teams like Huddersfield and that going away with a bit of a swagger. So it was good to see some um, Yorkshire so called rivals skulking back to where uh, to where they came from. <laughs>
3: Moving our attention now then to stuff that's been happening off the field, uh, George McCartney has joined on a month's loan from Sunderland. Twenty nine year old Northern Irish full back, obviously the Snodding connection uh, coming into play there. It's nice to see that the sort of the dual roles that he's got have uh, bagged as a Premier League full back. Sort of temporarily solves the the left back problem, but do we fear that wages might scupper the possibility of a permanent deal because he's supposed to be in a lot of money at Sunderland?
4: I had no idea that he, that they'd bought him for like well it was undisclosed, but rumours between five and seven and a half million seems a ridiculous amount for quite a, an average sort of fullback
1: but he's, he's good for us he's i mean he's he's a great signing for us i think but an, an average sort of fullback was just what we wanted really <laughs> <laughs> and he looked um, he did look good on saturday um competent at everything he he tried to do worked you could see he was like, a little bit better than um, some of the other players out there but yeah this this prison is 40,000 pounds a week we think Football's mental, isn't it? It's mental and wrong in just about every respect.
4: But yeah, as long as we're not paying him, I'm quite happy for him to stay. We'll just keep it, keep the loan rolling on. Um, is it at the end of Bessone already? It seems... Because um... we've signed him on a three-year contract. Oh, I, no. I fear it. And it depresses me a little bit that we're going to end up playing him and paying him.
3: I think he'll probably get one more chance maybe to come back from injury, get himself fit and show some form, and
1: then... Do we believe he's injured? I... Uh, I believe he probably is, yeah. I mean, last time we saw him, he was wandering off the pitch at Doncaster holding his head um, and Eddie Gray was mocking the idea that he was injured. Was it Barnsley? Yeah, Barnsley. (laughs) (laughs) Same thing. (laughs) Nearly. Right part of Yorkshire. Um,
3: Just ship him off to Swindon. (laughs) Yeah. 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 Damn, we've just taken our Sheehan, but uh, can't we get rid of a No, We've only just got rid of Sheehan and now we've got another bloody left back we well does, it, all does all he not does he not deserve another he chance he does he does he's only Sorry. played a handful of games let's give him a give him a chance so yeah George McCartney signed up uh, moving on to players who are currently out of the sides Painter suffering um, an injury setback uh, as well as Kasper Schmeichel as well it, this is starting to creep on into being a few weeks now
1: isn't it with Casper Schmeichel Painter's foot seen back in a cast which is a little bit worrying well they said there'd been a, a setback as well didn't they whereas they are keeping everything quite quiet about the um Injury situation at Leeds I mean, It was only when Jason Brown turned up That anybody knew about Schmeichel being injured And that was after I think a fortnight After it had even happened um, And so to actually hear that Painter Is going to be out even longer Makes you suggest it's going to be months not weeks It's a shame on both counts But
4: I think Higgs is good enough to cover in the meantime And we've never had Painter So I don't suppose we can really miss him <laughs> Not yet yeah. but- well,
5: I was worried about Higgs at Barnsley because he seemed He had that Casper Anchor Flappiness about him Yeah but I um, think They all did didn't they
3: yeah. as well. it was, it, They all went mental
4: I was discussing it. today actually I wouldn't swap our goalkeepers For Arsenal's
3: <laughs> No it's a
4: fair you point yeah. <laughs> Despite the fact They're uh, supposedly you know, Champions League contenders
3: And everything Possibly take a few more Of Arsenal's players <laughs> Yeah <laughs> <laughs> I'd swap Alan team. Martin For Fabregas Kick off news then uh, Cardiff City match First of all Brought forward to a Lunchtime kickoff, And then it was moved To be a Monday night game Uh, On Sky, The the, the telly people dictating uh, everything as per usual and it's the fans who are left to sort of pick up the pieces. I know the game's a month away, but is that long enough? Because we get people flying in from Ireland and... Well, that's the thing.
4: If we were... This is going to sound really big-headed, but if we were a smaller club with more local support, it wouldn't matter so much. But we do have loads of people booking... Even booking train tickets to come up from from London or wherever. It's a lot of money that people are spending on it. And they'll probably just watch it on Sky now,
1: which is a shame. You do wonder who is actually in charge of the fixture list anymore i mean if the police said we want this game at 12:30 30 lunchtime that's one thing that's the police they have a reasonable say in in what time major events kick off but then the next day Sky's come in and say actually no monday night's going to be much better at some point doesn't the police have the right to just say no we <laughs> said 12 <laughs> and that's when it's going to be Who's Apparently more powerful, not. the sky or the police? Well, you know? That's the worrying thing, isn't
3: it? Murdoch may be uh, owning the place, <laughs>
1: who knows? <laughs> he owns everything else. I think Murdoch owns the place. <laughs> <spots. laughs> you don't know who is in
4: charge of what these days. Have you not read any Dan Brown novels? Without wanting me to be too nice to Cardiff fans either, what a ball it is for them getting back to Cardiff yeah, in, I rem- in I rem- general. I, rem- I remember and that train journey
3: back <laughs> from Cardiff after the playoff a, final. makes
4: a long way to go. It means you've got to take at least one day off work. Do
3: they have jobs? Well, no, but. We'll miss Jeremy Kyle. <laughs> Other news then about the away ticket policy is being clarified on on the uh, on the official website. Membership card numbers must now match up to the numbers written in biro on the tickets. Uh, the club have changed their stance on refunds for away matches, saying that they'll now issue refunds on away tickets up to forty eight hours before the match. Sensible,
4: yeah, sensible. But <laughs> I like it that the work their with- um, their way of getting around uh, people using the wrong tickets is biro
5: yeah <laughs> because well,
4: because you do sometimes get them with numbers crossed out on and stuff so i don't really see what's to stop someone just crossing it out but you know
3: well the sort of, the the suggestion on the official website was that it's so they can keep receiving the club can keep receiving large away allocations which obviously we've had a lot of so far this season and that they've got to be seen to be doing everything in their power to ensure that the tickets are going into the right hands so as long as they've done everything in their power to do so
5: <laughs> i don't think the other clubs are that bothered though they're just happy to take a load of Leeds fans That will fill their ground We had that uh, Walsall last year Where the, you could pay on the night uh, And I think officially we had something like 3,000 Leeds fans Which were behind the goal And we had the whole of one side That would all pay on the night
3: And it only holds about 11,000 that right ground it. doesn't it Yeah.
5: Um, so they weren't obviously bothered about People just turning up and paying £20 cash on the turnstile.
3: I worry as well, it's
5: just
4: another way of extracting a bit more money out of people, just making sure you have to buy a membership. Because at the moment, like, everyone goes to odd away games who borrows a membership, they'll get a ticket from a mate or whatever. The, people know someone who can't go. I think it's probably widely accepted that people do it, and I don't personally see any real problem with it. As long as it's not like, like, I've had tickets off friends before, or I've given tickets to friends before, I don't feel like I'm going against any great. Uh, you know, great law there. I'm not, and I'm not just flogging him in the street to random swastika tattooed men. It's people I know, and I think, well, you know, keep
3: your personal life out of it. <laughs> it's swastika it's tattooed an... men that you're close you know. friends with.
4: <laughs> it just seems that they want you to buy a thirty quid membership, and if it's about safety, why charge thirty quid for a little bit of plastic? It just shows that it's clearly about trying to make people buy memberships. And also if they, with the return tickets thing, I just think, well, I suppose they get an extra one pound fifty off anyone off any returns. I don't know, it just all seems a bit petty, but that's what going to a
3: grounds is. In more positive news, <laughs> the, uh, the Leeds Fans Remembrance Group um, have raised over £130,000 for the children's cancer charity, Candle Lighters, um, in the last 12 months. Of course, they set this up and they were doing 12 months of activity, so that's great news that a really good charity is uh, is benefiting from the, the hard work that they've put in. In other news away from this, uh, the and I use this one in quotes, the takeover quote-unquote, the news that has... Uh, should we say broken on the internet message boards lit up specifically? The internet. Uh from a source that has uh broken a takeover rumour before. Um currently it's just an internet rumour, lots of talk of it in the offing. Whether it's true or not we'll find out. But um you have to say we're we're primed for a takeover now, aren't we, given our position, attendances, state of the club. Conference facilities, which the club have been at, gone to great lengths just to say, you know, to stress the uh, the stuff like that. We've got to be ready for for somebody bringing some money. And you would have thought,
4: well, yeah, if you looked, if someone's looking to invest, they'll look at the table now and think, invest some money in January, it could be in the Premiership by next year. But which whether or not the right people come in, I suppose my first thought when I hear a takeover is a little bit of worry, really, that we're going to end up with. Someone who like Glazers done at scum with just borrowing money and sort of making the club itself pay for it. And I don't know. I, I feel a little bit nervous. I don't. Know, I'm not going to go as far as to say better the devil you know, but it's
1: the rumours do all seem because there's a few been going around and they do all seem to ser- share the same significant features, which is once planning permission for the hotel is sorted out, which is there's some wrangling between the club and the council. Once that's done and dusted, the club will be sold to somebody else, and that always seems to be at the crux of whatever the names are that's floating around and that that would definitely worry me because that makes me think that what we suspected about um the true intentions of our um mysterious owners is the case in that the most in that they the result they're looking for is permission for a hotel and then that the people that they're selling it to if they're waiting for that permission to be um, to go through. Their concern is also that there is a hotel and conference facilities with a, a handy Leeds United badge to hang on it that makes it a bit more tempting and that the football club is not the target of the um, investment.
4: That does seem bizarre though, because how, how profitable can a hotel be really well, compared to a football club which has guaranteed, you know, you get If you're in the Premier League, like, it's thousand 70 people. million,
3: is it, or something?
4: Exactly. it seems like they're, they're really focusing on the, completely the wrong bit of it. It's like... I'm shrugging my shoulders (laughs) Or
3: is is it that that These things like the hotel The conferencing and stuff Make it a more attractive proposition for, uh, For takeover You know things like that Like if the takeover If it does hinge on Um ownership of the ground and subsequent planning permission. It's just about making the package more attractive, isn't it? I mean, it's, it's in Beeston for fuck's sake. <laughs> <laughs> um, is the bottom line. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's, is that any worse than these bloody ones just off motorway junctions in the middle of nowhere? You know, no, I, know, but I f-
4: don't imagine they make millions
1: of pounds a year. Which... Well, the, the, the thing that Leeds United does have going for it in that respect is that the conference... I mean, we've had the banqueting suite there since 1990, and the conferencing arm, I think does do quite well from what I can gather the, it's always booked up and if they keep making the facilities bigger and it keeps being consistently booked out it will turn a profit. But is that profit going back into
5: the football side of things or just continue to develop the business? Develop the business? Let, can, you, can, you fault, can you
3: fault them for developing the business? Can you fault them for, for making money out of a, a conferencing facility?
1: No but if that if Um, the target of the people who are going to take us over is, oh there's a hotel now not, oh we're in uh, the second division and heading for the Premier League, then that's that's not necessarily a good sign I was going to say as well that um, if um, by some fluke England is awarded the World Cup in 2018 that's a lot of people looking for a place to stay in the region of a football stadium and a lot of people wanting to pay to put their advertising hoardings in your football stadium and the world's media come into your football stadium and, and what, but what FIFA look
3: for things like this like the conferencing facilities that
1: are in place stuff for the media you know Exactly and um, um I don't think uh, I don't think any of the club chairman Whoever they are um, at, at Anywhere in the country Are expecting to lose money if we get the World Cup But if you do share these concerns Then I'd say that it's an ideal time to uh, Log on to squareball.net slash shop Where uh, Visit Beast and t-shirts <laughs> are, um, are still uh, very much available Absolutely
3: shameless But yeah, do that um, So it's emerged this week Ed Miliband, um, new leader of the Labour Party And it's been uh, discovered that he's a Leeds fan Step up on Barry George, I guess <laughs>
5: Not a good sign when you want to win votes, though, is it? in no, a Leeds fan?
1: No. Uh, well, I mean, Huddersfield had Harold Wilson, so how come Huddersfield can have a Prime Minister? We can't even have a leader of a party. I think it's only right. Hopefully, he's better than Blair, who came out with his comments
4: about having sat at the Gate and watching Jackie Milburn, and there were never seats there, and <laughs> he never played while he was alive, and it just made himself look an absolute Jackie
5: dick
1: Milburn for never played while up. he was alive? <laughs> The ghost of Jackie Milburn. <laughs> I'll
3: be, it, be Milliband. will be telling the tales of scrapping on the trains down to Chelsea and stuff, making let I
1: hope so. <laughs> he, has, he has to be fair. He's, he's kept it in proportion. I think he admitted that he's, um, he's he's lapsed. But it is a curious situation with them being from. and him and his brother from Hackney originally, and yet they they've somehow Mr Reds ended up supporting Leeds United. And, and his, is his brother a Arsenal fan? fan. I suppose that's understandable. It, it reminded me of this: Have you ever heard of that Middlesbrough fan? He's from Wolverhampton, and he got taken to Wolves v Middlesbrough by his um, by his dad, and he went along with his cousin. And because he hated his cousin, he was a Wolves fan. He supported Middlesbrough. Middlesbrough won, and now he's supported them ever since. So, as good a reason as any. Yeah, he's not prime minister, though. I don't think he's in the running. <laughs> Let's talk now then
3: about the inimitable Lucas Radebe, um, one of our, our big Leeds heroes. Um, myself and Michael took a trip to Ellen Road to speak to the Chief on uh, on Saturday morning. It was a really good experience, wasn't it? It was. I, I don't
4: generally get starstruck, but I was properly nervous about this the night before because he's was, he was my boyhood hero, I suppose.
3: Yeah, we were given uh, permission to interview Lucas by the publisher uh, to publicise his new book that's out at the minute, which... Um It's not written by him It's Richard Coomer Who's the author isn't it And it's a biography Authorised biography Um so we popped down, and uh, sadly it was only a mere thirteen minutes we got with him, wasn't it? And it was not quite long enough to just get all the questions in that we wanted.
4: I don't think we got in about two thirds of them, really. Did we? We got kind of the pleasant ones out of the way first, and we were going to get onto the more meaty stuff. And well, we did waste. waste
3: five minutes hugging him. <laughs> yeah,
4: no, there's nothing wrong with that. I don't. I don't regret those five minutes. I wouldn't regard that as time wasted. Uh, still not wash my hands. But yeah, we we missed out on quite a lot of stuff. But in the end, I was really pleased to see him. And when we walked around the corner and saw the massive queue of people waiting to get stuff signed it, it made me feel quite lucky really
3: yeah just to complete the story we, um, we were promised what was it about 15-20 minutes and we got cut short um, with the interview because the publisher was cattle prodding us out of the way to get the next person in. But we did manage to get a few questions off, so I'll we'll play a sound clip now for you, uh, a little teaser from the interview. Uh, we'll, you'll be able to read the full transcripts of the the whole 13 minutes we got with Lucas in the next issue of the Squareball magazine. But I'll play you this sound clip now so you can have a listen to our little chat. And apologies for the uh, the small Radibis in the background. Yes, there are some mini Radibis, mini Radovae, uh, sorry, running around... Uh, one of them tried to I think his son Lucas Junior Tried to pickpocket him At one point he When did, we were yeah. talking to him Yeah but anyway This is Lucas uh, Talking about When he arrived at Leeds what, what was your first impression Of Leeds then When you when you first arrived In Yorkshire I didn't like it
2: <laughs> To be honest i mean. I didn't know anything about it, you know, when I when I, when I, when I was about to come here, and when I arrived, you know, with that weather conditions, you know, it was dark and wet and miserable. So, so to be honest, I wasn't sure if I would settle here, and then living in Birston didn't make things any better, you know, because I lived in Holbeck first, and then after that, I lived in Birston.
3: So, as a man who lived in a township in Soweto. Not really best pleased with living in, uh, in Beeston. It
2: <laughs> doesn't say a lot
3: for Beeston, that It's not the greatest advert for the place, is it? What it needs is a hotel. <laughs> but you can imagine what it must have been like for him uh, arriving off the plane in a dark and windy... Uh...
1: I was quite surprised. I've, only, I've not read the, the whole book, but I saw the extracts that were in the paper last week, and they, they, had, um, they had him in film a single, sharing a room in, um, in, that, in that house that they were living in. It seemed even in 1994 surely we were treating professional footballers in the Premier League a little bit better than having a bunk up in a in a semi-detached house together um, in one room. It did make me realise how much things have changed over
4: the last 15 years because like you say I imagine now someone would be, have like a nice city centre pad
1: laid on for them. And... Well we were just talking about George McCartney getting a room £40,000 a week you know he's never going to be sharing a room with anybody he doesn't particularly want to. <laughs> um,
3: if you haven't seen it there's a, there's a famous photo isn't there Black and white photo that appeared at the time of uh, Lucas and Phil singer They were in. Was it the Victoria? I think so. Um, having drinks, surrounded by some some toothless crones. I think they were, weren't they? And uh, we asked him about this, and this is what he had to say. So you moved to Leeds with um, with Phil singer um, and shortly after you were pictured drinking in the Victoria. Do you remember? I was the
2: photo? <laughs> singer, Remember? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> they tried to get me to drink oh, little oh, little oh, oh, How I'm did you end up yeah. in the pub? Then? What happened there? <laughs> I mean, I think uh, they're trying to show us around and you know, trying to get us uh, uh, to get used to to pub style, you know. <laughs> because to be honest, we never, we don't have pubs back home, so this was uh, because because they, they say that if you don't drink beer in York, you're not a real man. But <laughs> so they try to get us to the. Yeah, a few pints. But. Did you try the, the Tetley better? They brought the Tetley bitter, but it was too bitter for me, so, <laughs> <laughs> so I did the oranges.
1: Apparently Alan Sheehan still introduces new players to, uh, to clubs with, with the same <laughs> technique. <thing they eat. laughs> Again, you can't imagine uh,
3: one of your current day footballers being abandoned in the Victoria with a pint of Tetley.
1: Yeah, I'd film a single with him. What could possibly... I bet they on? fitted <laughs> right <writing. laughs> in. I mean, it is a really good photo, but it did show, So, sort of, even um, 1994 when it was, it was... It was really unusual that Leeds United had signed two South African players um, and that photo was I suppose showing how how far they stood out it was kind of a quirky photo opportunity to show them in an unusual situation which I think um, nowadays it would be more normal to find all sorts of nationalities and professional footballers in, in all kinds of places in, in Leeds but those early days of, um, of uh, trying to acclimatise under Wilkinson were kind of difficult It mentions in the book,
3: uh, does Lucas it sort of suggested that he uh, he didn't really get on all that well with, uh, with Sergeant Wilco um, and I questioned him about it and this is what he said in the book, it says that you never really got on that well with Howard Wilkinson. Yes. Why? Why was that? I mean, because you uh, famously you started out on the left wing, didn't you? When you, when you first started, played, I
2: started on the left wing. I, mean, I never. I played all the positions at the back. All the credit to him. He introduced me to, 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 to the Premiership. But uh, I think for the reason that as a footballer, you want to be able to be played. And I, to be honest, I wasn't really playing. Then, you know, I'm struggling. And, uh, I wanted to. I wanted to do. do best you know to showcase as well my talent but he didn't give me that opportunity because i think maybe he realized that he's got to bring in slowly but it was frustrating for for me and then we didn't we didn't really get along you know uh it was so yeah
3: he came close to uh, to to in ship because he didn't get on with howard wilkinson and michael you went on to ask him this
4: you mentioned before um, that you came close, close to wanting to leave, and yeah. what was the what was the point when you when you came closest to, to thinking <laughs>
2: I had my this ticket, I had my ticket with me, and uh, my bags were unpacked, and I see that I was getting frustrated uh, and I was depressed. You know, it, it wasn't getting any better, and I remember it was during it was going to be uh, a festive season, and a you know, festive season in South Africa, it's a war. You know, you got everything happening. And, and I thought, you know what, if nothing happens, if it doesn't turn around, I'm off. I'm not going to tell anybody. I'm going to just take my bags, I've got my ticket, I'm off to the airport, and then I'll get home. Everybody will be there from when I get there. But, but something told me, you know, that uh, you know, rather try, you know, you're gonna feel having tried than having tried at all. So I think I stayed in. And uh, me and Phil, you know, we kept each other, <laughs> we encouraged each other to stay home. Uh, to try uh, until we made
3: it so we came very close to losing the Chief Um, he was ready to up sticks and not tell anybody
1: yeah I think all that stuff with Wilkinson seemed I I think it was probably just down to the timing Lucas wasn't ready Wilkinson was preferring um, Paul Beasley John Um, Pemberton what a player Um, but then by the time um, Graham turned up I think it was the right time for, for Lucas to stake his, his claim and turn into the player he became.
3: It was actually, um, and we asked him about this on Saturday morning, it was actually, and it's covered in the book, that it was the an injury that saved his career because at the time it was the work permit regulations were a lot more stringent and he didn't fulfil the criteria for keeping his work permit as we had to release a singer, didn't we, mm. uh, at the end of his contract or get rid of him at the end of the season. Uh, but because Lucas was injured, he managed to get away with uh, not fulfilling the criteria and we kept him and obviously. The the rest is history it's true
4: (laughs) think what Phil singer could have done if he'd have been allowed to stay as
3: well (laughs) so on that kind of note it's worth mentioning that the Chief only played 200 games for us and is his legacy and the feelings we have about him as much to do with the man as the footballer
1: yes definitely I was surprised when I saw that 200 games as well Um, it seems ridiculously low but it shows sort of the bad luck that he had but it is down to the man that we sort of imagined that he played 500 times because he just Seem to have the stature of somebody who did.
5: I remember him back at um, in his early days. I used to take my nephews over to the Shea and watch the reserves play, which was a godforsaken trip uh, because I couldn't afford to set them before I had kids. I couldn't afford to set them to uh, home games, and you could always guarantee a few first teamers in there and not, an odd not game in the Stiffs. But he was always he was always willing to sign autographs and stay for pictures afterwards. So that was quite an early uh, memory for me of him.
3: Yeah, he covers it which in the book was, actually yeah. about how cold it was at, yeah. the, sh- at the Shea. Yeah, it's a godforsaken place in the foothills of the pedance. <laughs> we did put this one out uh, to Twitter as well today, just asking people what is it specifically that you love about um, Lucas Ranabe. And it is as much to do with the, the man as the footballer, I think, when you sort of read the responses that we got, like loyalty and integrity featured very high on the agenda. Loads of people seem to mention it. I think people like as well the, the overcoming
4: adversity thing. That that really comes through as well, that you know, he, he did have a difficult bringing in. He came over here.
3: Had to live in Beeston. We love the underdog, don't we, in this country? I think that's the thing. Everyone loves. Uh the plucky underdog coming through and succeeding in the end. Yeah, I think that's
1: what um, Leeds. We've got Leeds underscore Gary off Twitter. who said, uh, "Lucas's background puts things in perspective." He was grateful for the opportunity to play pro football, and he's humble and he uses integrity. And I think um, that touches on something that with his status as a Leeds legend, kind of forgets his status as a South African legend. I mean, you mentioned before that he, he arrived at the time when the country was just coming out of the the apartheid era, and he was he, he was and is a, An icon of freedom For uh, for millions of people And I think some of the, From the, the Leeds United perspective We don't always remember um, How significant he was. I mean Nelson Mandela's Favourite footballer That's him um, Who mentions it's that On Lilo Twitter Lilo Mano points it
3: out On Twitter yes yeah, says uh, that he once said and It was in Leeds When
1: Mandela was in Leeds actually uh, Said this is my hero
3: and That's quite an accolade
1: It's not bad is it I mean <laughs> It's pretty good And um, Mardi Tam On Twitter as well Says um, He's got one word for what Um, what makes him love Lucas, which is dignity and then says he was a proper captain and those immaculately timed sliding challenges, of course.
3: Yeah, it's true. On the field, he never got done that many times, did he? There was never, not that many opponents. Shearer did him a few times, but in terms of people who really had the upper hand on him.
4: Well, he had his golden period, didn't he, during Graham and early O'Leary. Then as the injuries set in, he was kind of taken apart a bit more regularly. But for, for a few years in the middle there, he, he was absolutely unbeatable, which well, I guess is when the, the scum interest kicks in and all that, which is, I don't know, that's touched on in the book
3: and we, we asked him about it as well. Yeah, and it, we never got a really... Uh, committed answer did we? I mean the book seems to suggest that it was uh, it's talked about in vague terms and it was used as something of a bargaining tool to secure him a, uh, a better contract at, at Leeds United so I'm not convinced that he was ever really in the
1: offing but it was a nice bit of leverage against Leeds but He was certainly he was the player that clubs like that would look at out of our team when I mean, he was playing some of his best games in, the, in a team had like a midfield of Mark Ford and Mark Jackson um, <laughs> And yet we had this defender that Scum wanted Roma were the other one that were rumoured um, As soon as George Graham left Everybody assumed that Lucas would be going with him um, he, he was a target for big clubs Because he was just He really, really wasn't that good
3: uh, Johnny Cash 76 pointed out on Twitter uh, he incorrectly said Lazio but it was, was their uh, city rivals wasn't it Roma that he was offered big money to go there turned it down obviously there was the Man United thing in the off-in and uh, I say that there are so many people who, m- who mentioned loyalty uh, John Precious on Twitter said loyalty and passion the chief had it in abundance a great LUFC servant who didn't jump ship at the sight of a pound sign
1: well that's I, I mean it's one of the things about him is that he after being given the opportunity to, to become such a success in Europe with Leeds United he then never went anywhere else to, to do it he felt that there was some need to repay Leeds United for that opportunity and um and did it as much as he could and ignored all the um all the temptations to leave
5: and even having the captain's armband taken off him as well. Yeah, sure. yeah, yeah he yeah. wasn't
3: pleased about that the book no. sort of suggests he wasn't but he just again just sucked it up and he got murked <laughs> <laughs> Well, he, he had it taken off him didn't he? I think it was just announced uh, in the corridor at a team meeting the book says. Um and he would have preferred to be taken to one side and by O'Leary and have it explained quietly but you know, not famed for his man management as if the rumors are to be believed. O'Leary and that's the way he found out and he said it hurt him but
1: I think it shows as well the way that we were kind of changing as a club changing with the game at that point that we'd, we'd given the captain's armband to this guy that we'd bought for practically nothing and brought all the way over here and made him live in shared rooms with Filmer singer it got taken off him because we'd spent 80 million pounds on this other player and them um, and we were going to put his face on all the billboards different different thing um, best summed up i think uh, by Peter's a tweeter who says hard
3: working loyal and generous his off-field manner has helped to preserve his fantastic on-field ability he is the antithesis of the modern player and I think that's it isn't it it's about looking for really good human qualities and it's hard to find many in the the current uh, crop of Premier League footballers especially but professional footballers in general don't get great press but he's a shining light as being the complete opposite of someone like Robbie Savage for example
1: and it's a curious thing that we should all be sitting here feeling that we have more in common with um, a guy who's come from Soweto from a completely different background to any of us than we do with most of the Premier League players who all come from the same places we come from and had a similar upbringing to we do they've all just become completely completely ostracised from from their backgrounds whereas um, Lucas Ryder just became part of us he built on his
3: background to become what he what he was. I think that's the thing, isn't it? And he's he's taken the experiences of his background and not shunned them, and he's become a better man for it. And he hasn't forgotten because, as we spoke to him, he said then he they, they've put a lot. He's put a lot back into Soweto and his family and his community. So you know. I think we knew he was, a, he was a top stand-up guy anyway, but uh, I think meeting him for those mere 13 minutes kind of proved it.
4: <laughs> I think part of the part of the problem with us not having enough time was because he'd overrun because he was chatting to people for so long and the thing that people have said about him is that he will, throughout this publicity tour, he will just talk to people and it's really hard to get places because he's being accommodating and I remember seeing him at the back of the East stand once when he was injured. When I had my season ticket in there, and he was caught for about half an hour before a game signing autographs because he'd popped his head out of the box and all these kids had come <laughs> charging up. And he did stay until everyone had, had you know, had their autograph rather than most players would do a couple. Then sort of piss off inside to quaff some free booze.
3: See, normally I'd be pointing out to us that we're completely brown nosing a footballer. Oh, know we know. are, <laughs> yeah. But... But, but if there's one man that's worth it, it is Lucas, and I think that's that's the one yeah. thing that I drew from our. Brief meeting with him on, on Saturday He's such a nice guy um, And you, you feel like I, well, I don't know about you But I sort of went home afterwards And thought Oh he's like my friend now <laughs> You know <laughs> Lucas is my friend Because he's such He's such a friendly
1: Approachable guy You know Just laughed along with us And had a good time It's worth mentioning as well One of the reasons I feel Um Um what do we call it? Love for Lucas Radebe. <laughs> it's um, it's not just the t- tough time he had growing up, but the tough time he had since he re- retired from football, which has been. I mean, we don't want to dwell on it too long because he's utterly miserable. But he. he- Hasn't deserved any of the uh, of the poor luck that he's had. Um, if you're not aware, the it's, it's moment, not worth saying retires. if you're not aware
3: that his, his wife died uh, two years ago of cancer, aged just 34, um, and he lost his dad very quickly um, after that. So he's had he's had a lot to deal with since his retirement. Mm. Um, he's had health problems as well. Yeah, he, he had a it was a cardiac problem, wasn't it? Yeah, um, I think he it collapsed in the on the gym. On that, He's had
5: yeah. two planned visits. Over here in the last year or so that have been cancelled
3: due to his ill health. Due to ill health, yeah, but he looked to be back on the up, didn't he, a, a, a little bit more on Saturday? And uh, now we do wish him well. If there's one, I mean, nobody deserves t- to have those sorts of things happen, but if there's one guy who doesn't deserve it, it's Lucas Radebe. And it was, you know, you heard the little mini Radebe running around uh, <laughs> when we were doing the interview. And you feel for those kids as well, and the fact that he's, uh, you know, now got to sort of bring them up on his own.
1: Yeah, there's the, the Henry Winter interview that was in the Telegraph. Um, at the weekend, is it's quite short, but that's worth a read as well because that's got um, quite a lot with Lucas talking about his uh, his children um, and talking about losing his wife. But he's, he, apparently, uh, Lucas Junior is a very good striker. He claims and much better than his much better than his dad, uh, according to Lucas <laughs> Junior. So um, and Lucas would be in nets as well, wouldn't
3: he? Because he was a goalkeeper in a former life. And well, that's
1: um, yeah. I, I didn't want us to leave this without mentioning Lilo Mans. Uh, um, comment on Twitter as well that his virtuoso display as a goalkeeper at Old Trafford and keeping the score down to one nil is a fond memory, and it's definitely mm. a fond memory. I mean, in a way, that summed up his his character at least that he, he took on the responsibility of chucking it in goal against scum at Old Trafford and then um, only conceded one and went off laughing. <laughs> <laughs> Just the man all over. Well, I think
5: somebody pointed out on the on the forum that um, he's got a legend status being captain of a team that ne- never actually won anything while yeah. he captain so it's, it's, it it's more than football. football Yeah, it's the man isn't yeah. it
3: it's the character and uh, every football club needs a Lucas I think mm. but very few of them will ever get one it's very true so just in case we were in any doubt we love Lucas Radebe <laughs> uh, that's the conclusion <laughs> from this um, and you can read although it was slightly more brief than we perhaps wished um You can read the full transcript of the interview with Lucas in issue three of the Squareball magazine, which will be out on the 19th of October for the Leicester game. Um, and we're planning to sort of do a bit of an Africa tribute thing I think we're going to have some sort of uh, examination of the African players that have played for the club and a bit of a tribute to Lucas and we'll review the book and talk about the man himself and stuff we've got a really good cover shot as well that we we posted up on Twitter earlier on today of Lucas uh, clutching a couple of square balls the best thing about it was that he asked if it was the official club magazine at one point which made us titter <laughs>
4: there was Sean Harvey in the same room as well yeah. lurking about <laughs> I, felt, I was going
3: to say yes we've tried to keep a low profile so you can read all about it in issue 3 of the forthcoming squareball magazine that'll be out in a couple of weeks as well uh, so look out for that of course you can get hold of the magazine uh, via the squareball.net forward slash shop <laughs> Right then, coming up in the next couple of weeks, we've got another couple of encounters with uh, with scummers. There seem to be a few of them around this year. Uh, On Tuesday, as this one comes out, or possibly in the past, if you're listening to it after the game has taken place, Leeds United versus Preston, uh, managed by Darren Ferguson, son of the red-nosed fella from Manchester, um, followed on Saturday... By uh, An away trip to Ipswich Town Managed by one Roy Keane So we've got a game against one of the division's strugglers Followed by a game against one of the division's form teams How do we think this is one's uh, this one's going to fare?
1: Plenty of banter, yeah. I would think We do have um, that odd history with Preston From the old playoffs Where they, they did seem to become um, our arch enemies Which is quite exciting a bit of uh, Cross pennants rivalry And the um, Darren Ferguson element only adds to it Whether we'll beat them or not We should beat Preston, they look terrible <laughs> There they go. And Darren Ferguson's looking more and more like Rose West every day, so I really <laughs> <laughs> I really think we have nothing to fear apart from being locked in this no. No, don't go there. <laughs> How
3: did these two get on in the last couple of games then? Preston got the first win of the weekend and it's what's true That's
1: Scully. Yeah. Preston only beat Coventry though. I mean it's not I
4: noticed looking at Preston's results,
1: they've lost quite a few games by single goals, so maybe they're not doing quite as badly as they. Well that four three one was the uh the one that I, I slept through <laughs> I forgot <laughs> it. it was on the BBC NFL That was the Burnley City. game, wasn't it? Uh, yeah, when they were 3-0 up and lost 4-3 suggests to me that they, they've no backbone I'm going to put something to you now See if you agree with it I'll put it out there
3: This is exactly the sort of game that leads a lose, this Preston game Yeah, I think you're probably right <laughs> Having turned it around from the Barnsley game Having got a hard-fought draw uh, against... Uh, Doncaster And then beating Sheffield United Marginally We think we're back On the up This is a another test Of the team Isn't it To see whether They've got the, the Metal and the and the Capability to uh, Perhaps make a push For it
1: this year We've not really Put anything together Yet this season We have been Sort of Every game We've been looking For what the Response is going to be from the previous one And there's been Changes and Players coming in Players still coming in On loan and being signed And you know Whether Annie Faye or Nunes are going to Come in So this all We've not really really settled down yet so yeah and, and yet we're still fifth yeah exactly so it's not going badly but in that respect I, I can see exactly what you mean that we'll just go it'll, be, it'll a... be a
3: poor atmosphere Tuesday night game <laughs> fairly small crowd after the expensive big one on, on Saturday what right, misery cuts, no, I'm, just, <laughs> I'm, I'm putting it out there I'm just playing devil's advocate I'm not, uh, I'm not saying we will lose it you know if we, win, if we win it then I think we we can start to think you know well, we're, we're a half decent side now this year and
5: then get beat oh, yeah, at
3: the Ipswich yeah <laughs> I that's, that's, think this is characteristic of the whole season isn't it's hard to sort of gauge what's going to happen but if we keep grinding out results we are going to lose a few as we've said before we should be there or thereabouts because there's a lot of inconsistent teams in this division The
4: last three results show it though we've had an absolute spanking at Barnsley then grinding out a nil-nil then we've had a win so it's it's just going to be like that. I don't, I don't think it's, we can have expectations that we're going to go and
1: win every game. I actually have more fear about the um, Ipswich game. I think we're going to go away there and we're going to lose 3-2 to a John Walk goal. <laughs> it. it always seemed to happen. Yeah, Marshall Ipswich. still got his mullet. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, I, I mean, Preston are bad enough that we should... It, despite all those factors That we should be able to, to, to see them off Ipswich We got that gum chewing Up his bollocks and nonsense In the in the dugout um, And a, a really good 17 year old strikers Up front for them as well Which um Maybe, although we haven't mentioned yet how good Neil Collins was um, against Sheffield United, um, but if Ipswich do anything other than just pump long balls directly onto Neil's head, um, he may he may have a. But don't forget, I mean, assuming
3: Alex Bruce is is still fit and able, he's he's going to be in the side. He's going to want to go back there with a point to prove, isn't he? Should have a game of his life. Or a nightmare, One of if (laughs) My other uh,
4: thing to mention for Ipswich, Roy Keane's dog has died recently. Oh, no. So it'd be a shame if that got mentioned. (laughs) He's quite a famous dog, though. He used to always be seen marching it around the block when he'd uh, fallen out with various international managers. Daily, I'd imagine.
3: (laughs) I bet that dog's had so many kicks in his life. (laughs) It was suicide. (laughs) Am I right in
1: thinking that four out of the next six or thereabouts games are away from home? Is that how it pans out? I can't remember exactly, but I'd, I'd love Looking at the fixtures, for some reason, we've got a really annoying period where it's like two home, two away, two home, two away, which I was brought up that it was home away, home away, home away. And I don't like change. <laughs> and I don't see any sense in it. And it's there's, ages till we've got a Saturday kickoff again. So. That's with the move yeah. into the Cardiff game as well, mm, isn't yeah. it? Yeah.
4: We're, is it four home games on the trot or something? We're not playing on. Yeah, which is crap for selling magazines as well. That's
1: yeah. <laughs> the other thing about how this season doesn't seem to have really got any momentum yet. Is that there's been that international break didn't help. We've had games on Friday night, games in South Yorkshire. <laughs> uh, there's, there's just not been like an, a consistent run of the yeah, air, couple of months of, yeah, of anything. Yeah. Like where you felt like the season's begun, maybe we can start again. We'll sign a different left back. Are we going to look to sort of achieve consistency
3: after Christmas? Then that's the—is that the key thing? Because obviously we uh, we shot our bolt before Christmas last year, didn't we? Then it was downhill from there. I'd be quite happy with a second place finish <laughs> <laughs> this
5: season. <laughs> well, come that time, we're going to have uh, Painter back and, and um' Kisnoble back, so they could be virtually January signings it's
1: true and um, and yeah a, a better second half of the season would be, be good and it would definitely be helped. god imagine if you had ball back that would be alright wouldn't it
3: right, so that's those games we'll look forward to those uh, with interest any other business you want to bring before we uh, sign off for this podcast
1: Speaking of uh, central defenders that um, we don't necessarily like, Paul Butler um, got in the paper. Uh, who who has a fight at a school fundraising? Is this event? an allegation that we It's it's rumoured
3: that he's been arrested. Hasn't a man in he? Cheshire man has been arrested for a brawl at a PTA fundraising event, um, and it was it not in the wee small hours of the of the morning at about midnight or one o'clock or something
1: like that. That's that's also it's quite a creative approach to school fundraising. I don't know I'm going to get drink, drunk all night and punish somebody. He's Answer me. <laughs>
3: I've, I've really heard of any PTA events that sort of go on. Uh... Into the early hours of the morning, but you know, maybe they do things differently in Cheshire.
4: One thing I was going to mention, um, there's a on the international weekend there's a Leeds vs Liverpool Legends charity game at Elm Road. Um money's going towards Meningitis UK and cash for kids. Um the Leeds players that are involved are Dean, Wallace and Sharp, and the Liverpool ones are slightly better, it must be said. <laughs> and they've got Rush, Mulby, Neil and Kennedy. Um but it's only fiver
1: to get in. Should be a decent decent sort of a win. I really want to see how big Jan Mulby is now. <laughs> I want to know why Rush is playing for them and not us. Did he ever actually play for us? <laughs> I mean, okay. like, probably. We could reunite. I mean, Rush, Wallace and Dean. Oh, no, Wall- had Wallace gone? I don't no, know.
4: Wallace was still there. Dean
1: and Rush, certainly. They were, the out on the
4: wing during that time, I think.
3: Uh, we've got to give a nod to Paul Gascoigne taking over at Garforth as well. It's vaguely Leeds-related, I guess,
1: isn't it? That's not a publicity stunt, then, as it's, we're assured. I, I loved Simon Clifford's quote about that when he said, oh, th- those Brazilian guys, that was a publicity stunt. This... This is sincere. Given that the last time we saw Gascoigne was with fishing rod and chicken and, uh, what was it,
3: dressing gown on the riverbanks with with round
1: moats. If if Clifford is to be believed, that was basically his job interview. He heard that interview on the radio and got in the car and went up and found him to to bring him back and, and look after him so next time I'm going for a new job (laughs) You know what to do He's kind
4: of been there before because he was appointed Kettering manager wasn't he? Not that many years ago and he turned up at their press conference looking like a outpatient he had some like plaster on his head somewhere <laughs> or something he just looked really unwell and you thought why are you appointing this man he's, he's not in any
3: fit state to be looking after anything it's funny how you contrast that like with Diego Maradona who managed to get the national team job who's had well publicized problems <laughs> shall we say in the past
4: had we won the world cup in 1990 I think we might have given Gazza the international job by now because yeah. if he'd have if he'd have led us towards it
3: given how, thing, how low things got this summer with the world cup for England it's almost worth doing just for the fun of it.
4: Someone it? would have suggested it on some kind of phone, I'm sure someone will have gone, going, oh, get gather
3: in charge." <laughs> He's got passion.
1: It's a lookout, Garforth, just generally.
3: <laughs> well, Clifford, um, the is either chairman, the owner of uh, of Garforth, has said he wants uh, Garforth to be as big as Leeds. Not the place. That's the football team. <laughs> So, uh, but we're going the wrong way about it, <laughs> <laughs> right? So, if that's uh, all for the, any other business, worth pointing out issue two of the magazine is now on sale, the last few copies remaining. Uh, issue three is going to be going on sale for the Leicester game on Tuesday, the 19th of October. That uh, magazine is going to cover three midweek games rather annoyingly. So, please buy it uh, if you get a chance to because the midweek sales are always a little bit harder, aren't they, than, uh, than Saturday games? They are, and it's getting cold. Uh, the magazine of course is always available to buy at home games and 24 hours a day via the squareball.net forward slash shop you can of course take advantage of the digital download option which is available that's uh, available 24 hours before the print copy comes out and it's free of postage costs so very cost effective and prompt as well uh, you can still get subscriptions available for this season you'll get all this season's issues uh, one and two that have uh, come out so far uh, so get online squareball.net forward slash shop well if that's your lot then we'll say goodbye so goodbye from me and Michael Normanton goodbye Moscow White. bye bye and Oddie goodbye the next podcast will be available in two weeks that's around Tuesday the 12th of October before we head off to Middlesbrough at the weekend in that podcast we'll be previewing three matches as well as the Borough matches we'll be talking about Leicester and Cardiff as well and if you want to get in touch with us about anything we've said or you would like to tell us anything or say hello to us you can do get in touch via email podcast at the squareball.net find us on Facebook and tweet at the square ball if you are on twitter as well thanks very much for listening and we'll speak to you in a fortnight the square ball podcast
0: imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt now imagine them getting even softer over time